views and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about here in the final hour of the show. We've got, uh, did you hear this coming up here at 1120 as we always do it? We appreciate you uh, spending some time with us. I want to talk about this program with the state government. We'll get to it in a moment, but I want you to hear a little bit about our gas prices. Uh, let's start with Phoenix proper. If you're in the city of Phoenix, if you drive through, if you get gas in Phoenix, here's the latest. In Phoenix proper, the current average is about 501. So we just crested that $5 mark, unfortunately. All right. So now here's what Maricopa County says. The average for a gallon of gas in Maricopa County is 502 right now, which is the highest in Arizona. And then Arizona prices compared to the rest of the country. The statewide average for Arizona is about four sixty eight a gallon, and that's exactly a dollar more than the national average of three sixty eight. So why do we have these high prices right now? There's refinery issues along with transportation, and OPEC recently made a decision to cut part of their supply. So that's a big part of the reason why gas prices are so high right now. So um, we know that you are going to be paying more for the foreseeable future. We are rolling into a time where people are using more gas because people are driving. It's going to be summer vacation season. We are not far from that. So we are going to see prices continue to be very high. There are some interesting things about our economy, though. The Arizona unemployment rate is still extremely low. We still have a very good booming economy. We are moving in the right direction, which I think is incredible. But um, there was a, a, a an issue that was passed in 2012, and I find this interesting because I like the conversation about what we do and who we take money from. There are uh, there is a growing number, and I'm going to pick on one group just because I'm going to pick on a group. Um, the teachers associations, uh, the AEU. Um, and going back, let's go red for red. Let's go for the movement of red for red in 2018 and then for moving forward to 2020. Um, what they wanted was they wanted they wanted the government to not cut taxes, the state government that they wanted. That was one of their demands. Not only were they demanding a raise, which they got, they were getting it before they walked out of schools. But that's a story for another day. One of the demands from the teachers organizations was you will not cut taxes. And I thought, what do you care? It, that's a, that is an overtly political statement from an organization that said they weren't political. It was one of the most mishandled movements I've ever – I've never seen somebody snatch defeat from the jaws of victory as well as that movement did. Uh, they had 77,000 people marching on Arizona's state capitol with huge support from students and parents and people like me that thought teachers deserved raises. And then they just completely bought Watched the entire movement. Now they get a dozen people with a bullhorn and flashlights that show up at events. And these are the reasons why. One of the demands they made was that the state legislature and the governor's office, when Ducey were the governor, would never wouldn't lower taxes. That was a demand from a teacher's organization. Uh, which is just silly on its face. But for everyone out there that thinks that we are not spending enough of your tax dollars in the right places, if you are someone that believes that there are valuable government welfare programs that need to be funded to a greater degree, and that's going to make us a better society, let me tell you at least, let me give you a statistic. Let me make sure that I've got the the exact statistic in front of me before I go off half cocked and I don't have the right number. It's in another pile. But it's gone up like 240% over the years, welfare spending in American politics. 
not Arizona, nationwide, we have gone up well over 200% in welfare spending. And when you look at that number and you think, okay, has it improved people's lives? The answer is it sure hasn't. Welfare spending has increased over 240% in 40 years with no results. But if you're someone that still believes that the answer to the problems around us, I was uh, yesterday I spent the afternoon with some really great people with the Action Alliance. And we were at a place called Homeward Bound, Arizona, and we did some volunteer work on their campus. It is a beautiful apartment complex of transitional housing for families that are facing homelessness. An amazing facility. Most of their funding comes private. They are uh, just a shining light in a dark place in this part of the city that is very poor, but families are able to go there and there's so many services to get them jobs and the kids for education and all kinds of opportunities on this campus. It is an amazing place. So I am certainly not someone that is ignorant to, nor am I um, not in tune with or sympathetic with the plight of people that are facing financial hardships. I'm absolutely not, but it's the private organizations that are do a better job than any government organization ever has or ever will. That in mind, there is a fund in the state of Arizona that if you believe, if you believe that we don't have enough money being spent on programs, entitlement programs, welfare programs, you can donate part of or all of your um, refund back to the state government to be used for that in that regard. Uh, This cycle it is collected about eleven thousand dollars from three hundred fifty-three people. About thirty-two bucks per person average has donated this money. Um, last year, the fund attracted over eighteen thousand, almost nineteen thousand dollars, or twenty-eight dollars and twenty-eight and a half dollars per person. Um, the reason why I bring this up is um, we put our money where our mouth is, and I will tell you that I am someone that be- believes in giving. I, and I'm, I'm sincere about this. I'm, this is not sarcasm. I, um, I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of people's kindness. And I know what it's like to be able to be in a place where you can help. Helping is always better. In my mind, it makes me feel better than being helped. I take great privilege. There's two things I've learned in my life when I was in a position financially where I was in a lot of trouble. I know what it's like to be fearful of not being able to pay your bills. I know what that feels like. So for me, paying my bills and paying my bills early, I like to pay my bills. As dumb as that sounds to some people, for me to not have to worry every month about paying my bills, I am happy to pay my bills. When it comes to the ability to give, I sincerely see it as a privilege and not a responsibility. I, I, and if I am in a financial position where I can give you a dollar, I have a dollar more than I need. That's a privilege to me because I've been in a position where it was the other way around. But there are so many people that don't think they should be taxed more, and it's evident by this fund. It is that everybody else should be taxed more. You're one of the working class groups that shouldn't pay more in taxes, and isn't it odd you're just under that tax bracket? People that are making a little bit more money, you are a lot more money than you, they should be footing the bill for all of these programs. I just think it's an odd way at how we look at life. Not to mention the fact that when you have an opportunity like we had yesterday, when you have an opportunity 
to walk through this campus and see what they do and walk through the library for the elementary school kids and have these smiling faces of these kids that don't have a look on their face that they have a care in the world. And that isn't isn't that precious to a parent that's facing financial hardship. The parents and the kids are facing homelessness if it weren't for this place. And yet the kids are as happy as they can be in this library. They're reading and they're learning and they're there with their friends. And as we walked through, they were high-fiving us and smiling. And you think that's exactly what organizations like this should be doing. It, it may, it, 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 you can't replace that. You, I don't care what concert ticket you get. I don't care what sporting event you have tickets to. You can't replace that feeling of knowing you played a small part in it that day. My, and so getting off my soapbox, these programs where you can give to the government, no one's doing it. No one's doing it. You got the president of the United States is advocating saying – that the Republicans have these horrible ideas and they want massive cuts. Those are the horrible ideas, massive cuts to the government spending. Well, given the opportunity to inflate the government coffers, people on the president's side of the aisle aren't stepping up and doing it either. Coming up in a moment, we have Did You Hear This? We do it every day. We'll catch you up on these headlines, so please stick around for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Time to catch you up on the big news stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. Ground control to Elon Musk, SpaceX's biggest and most powerful Starship rocket. Yes, that's what it's called, Starship. Lifted off on Thursday and flew for just 23 miles. This uh, does not appear to be a nominal situation. Four minutes after liftoff, the whole assembly either blew up or was blown up by ground controllers. But because the rocket cleared the launch pad at all, SpaceX is calling this a successful test. Is this latest test mm. promise for a new era of space travel or is it billionaire board? Well, that's the part of it I was shocked with this morning. $3 billion for this rocket to fly 23 miles. If you call that a success, I want that kind of bank account. But what they are saying is the research they were able to gather, what they were able to accomplish that they wanted to accomplish did happen. So on some level, it's successful because they now say it gets them to the next step. But that's a pretty expensive first step. The Tempe Police Department will see a new police chief starting June 5th. His name is Kenneth McCoy. Before McCoy threw his hat in the ring for the role, he spent 27 years as chief of police in Anchorage, Alaska. McCoy told KTAR he's done his homework about Tempe, but the first thing he'll do in his new role is listen. Once I have that foundation, I can then start developing a strategy. Again, me coming in and making, making immediate changes isn't the answer. I need to take a moment and listen. And, and see what's working and hear what the concerns are. And then together, we can move forward. What do you think of McCoy's approach to policing the city of Tempe? I think anybody that's coming into a leadership role uh, that says what he says is a good step for all employees. are going to take a deep breath and feel as if they're still going to be heard. There are some people that come into a leadership position and their theory is, I'm going to put my stamp on it from the beginning. We're going to make big changes. We're going to do things my way. But someone that comes into an organization and says, hey, I'm not going to make any changes out of hand. I'm going to wait and see what needs to happen with my expertise. So I like what I'm hearing from him in that regard, and I think the officers that work in that department are also going to feel the same way. 
You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time to catch you up on the big headlines. The city of Tempe remains divided over a new home for the Arizona Coyotes and an entertainment district surrounding it. Two conflicting economic reports came out this week, one by the Grand Canyon Institute and one from the Seidman Research Institute, a consulting wing of the W.P. Carey School of Business at ASU. According to an article from the state press which scooped the Seidman report, the entertainment district would net $12.5 billion in output over the construction period and in the following 30 years. But the GCI report said adding another major event venue will put a strain on the special events market in the Metro Phoenix area. And for every dollar made by the city, almost $3 will be spent to finance the district. Now, these reports show two very different visions for the future of Tempe. What should people focus on when voting in the coming days? And that's a tough one because I am I am somebody that is a proponent of these kinds of projects. I think uh, it adds to the um, atmosphere where people live and people do buy for quality of life in different lifestyles. I think Tempe, especially this area in proximity to ASU, is a younger demographic. I, I like the idea idea of the vibrance of where this is going to be. So for me, that's the way I would look at it. I don't live in Tempe, so it doesn't affect me in that way. Although it being closer to where I live, I would go to a lot more games. But I think what people should be looking at is how does it affect the quality of life if you live in Tempe? Is this something that you think will be good for the city? Because just like you have expert witnesses in any kind of a trial, that you have the prosecution and defense that are having people that say what they think, in the end, go with your gut. Gas prices in Arizona remain high compared to the national average. The statewide average for Arizona is about four sixty-eight a gallon, and that's exactly a dollar more than the national average of three sixty-eight. All right, Mike, how much did you pay for mm. gas the last time you filled up your uh, tank? Yesterday, ninety-seven dollars. Oh my gosh, ninety-seven dollars! Unbelievable. And, and there was a word in between ninety-seven and dollars I used yesterday that I can't use on the air, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you can guess which word it was. But yeah, it was very expensive. And all joking aside, for me, it becomes a nuisance because I live alone and I don't have to be a lot of different places. For businesses, for working people that are watching every dollar as they're trying to maybe save to buy a home or pay off loans and it's tough with the economy, this is not just detrimental, it can be crippling. And it is a big issue. And the fact that Arizona is in this predicament, and it's a little bit unique, we've got to figure out why it's happening and see if we can't get it taken care of quickly. Solid. Good job, Sonia. Great job. So uh, uh, Sonia's our intern uh, with Cronkite School, right? What year are you in? I'm a junior. What do you want to do? What do you want to do with this career? I love radio. I do love you? audio. I love telling stories with audio. So it's just great to be here and great to continue my career at KTAR. Well, you're hanging out with one of the best. I mean, Julia is a, is a diamond with us, and she gets accolades from everybody. So if you're going to learn from anybody, don't listen to me. Listen <laughs> to her. Absolutely. Great Will job. Do. Great Thank job. You. All right. That's Did You Hear This for another day. We're going to do it again tomorrow at 1120. Um, coming up, what we're going to talk about is some of the vetoes by the governor. One of those vetoes had to do with school safety. There is just some new information out on polling data and how parents feel about school resource officers. We're going to talk about all of it next. Strong Valley.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. There's a report out, and I don't. I really haven't talked about it today because I don't know how accurate. When I say I don't know how accurate it is, I don't know that it tells a full story. And I'm I'm trying to cut the governor a big break here in the sense that it said she's the third least popular governor in the country. Um, and so it's way early in the time that she's been in office. It's how this data is, comes about. But there are questions, and I've got big questions like everyone else does. It's one thing to come in and say, and she did in her inaugural address um, and in her state of the state. She said, listen, I want to work with the Republicans. We'll work together on sensible legislation that's good for Arizona, and I want to do what's best for the state. And she has run up vetoes on bills that both sides of the aisle are angry about. And we're going to get to some of them. But a couple of them are public safety bills, and I understand that largely those are Republican passed, not Democrat passed. Uh, I get it, but some of them are more reasonable than you think. But I want you to hear where you might be wrong on this issue, but you think you're not. Help me. Let me let me get you some answers here. Um, the superintendent of public instruction, his name is Tom Horn, released some polling data that shows strong public support for armed law enforcement school resource officers on campuses. This includes parents in the Phoenix Union High School District, uh, where the governing board is still waiting for recommendations on putting SROs back in schools. The premise that we've heard about guns going back to when the officers – and this was an overtly political movement that was handled at the top by the superintendent, Dr. Chad Guestin, who is leaving. But this was a political move in response to the defund the police movement. They said that they were removing or not renewing a contract with school resource officers, and the reason why they were doing it was because some students didn't feel safe with armed police officers on campus. A ridiculous premise, and we all know it's ridiculous. It is absolutely laughable, and I can prove it, and I'm going to in a moment. But let me get you to the data first. A statewide poll conducted by OH Predictive Insights showed that 78% of respondents considered school safety very important. 81% of respondents support having law enforcement officers on campus. 81%. There also was a study done by the Phoenix Union High School District back in 21 and 22. This is when they still got rid of the officers. They did an internal poll among classroom teachers associations, the CTAs, that showed 80% of the teachers believe school resource officers have a role at the Phoenix Union campuses, and 82% said they witnessed positive interactions between officers and students. The district had removed those officers in 2020. So going all the way back to 2021, they said, you know what? Cops in schools are a great idea. Teachers are saying it. Citizens are saying it. So the superintendent has sent a a letter to mayors because there is a grant program that allows you to collect millions of state dollars in order to have school resource officers in the schools. It can be used for that. And he wrote a letter to all the mayors in the state saying, hey, mayor, uh, per the statute, school safety programs is established within the department. It's competitive state funded grant that runs in a three year cycle. And so it's telling schools you can still apply for these grants. There are exceptions, even though the time period has run out. I say all of this because I want now to go to the other side of this. The principle that makes you believe, not the principle of a school, the principle that makes you believe that schools are dangerous with school resource officers there. If you're one of the people that believe that, I have an honest question for you. 
when um, and I'm going to talk to the younger people that would you know um, Taylor Swift when Taylor Swift came to Arizona when she did those shows out at State Farm Stadium. Do you believe that Taylor Swift was surrounded by armed guards? local police, and also probably private armed security. Do you believe that that happened? When you were on the concourse during that concert, did you see armed police officers in attendance? If you went to any one of the NFL experiences for Super Bowl or at the Super Bowl itself, do you have any idea how many armed police officers that you could see and others you couldn't were in attendance for all of the events and for the games themselves? Have you ever been to a major sporting event where there weren't armed police officers? Go to a Cardinals game. You have DPS officers and Glendale police officers roaming the concourse and roaming outside the stadium all the time before the game. All of that is true. At any point that you saw those armed officers, did you believe that that venue was less safe because there were more guns around with the police carrying them? The answer is no, you did not, which means they're just as safe on a, on a school campus. The average person knows it. 80, 81 percent in the teachers that teach in the Phoenix Union High School District support having armed cops on campus. They are terrified the way things are now. All of the stuff you're hearing that the reason why there's a teacher shortage has to do with funding and money is a narrative you are hearing from teachers organizations, by the way, who said they do not support the new piece of legislation that Matt Gress pushed up that would give teachers a $10,000 raise over two years. They're against it because they say it's not sustainable, and which isn't their business. The government's going to have to find the money. But the other part of it is says it doesn't spend enough money. So what a ridiculous thing to say. It doesn't spend enough money, but we can't afford it anyway. So they don't support the raise for teachers. They say it's about money in the classroom, and then they're against putting more money in the classroom. But I digress from that point. Maybe it's because teachers in a high school setting can see the inmates running the asylum here, that they see these kids roaming the halls that have no intention of doing schoolwork. They're intimidating the good students. They are in the bathrooms running over the place. There's nobody there to stop them. The teachers are afraid to say or do anything because their lives are in danger, too. There have been multiple occasions in the last few weeks in which weapons, firearms, were in the hands of students in the Phoenix Union High School District. I'm not making that up. They've been verified. I've seen the pictures and the schools themselves have come out and put out statements that said, hey, no student was ever in danger. Not true. No staff member was ever in danger. Not true. Every staff member and every student was in danger until the police intervened and took those guns away and the kids that had them away. This is a ridiculous veto in school safety by our governor, and it is a ridiculous attitude from the Phoenix Union High School District. And I don't I disagree with people a lot. It's rare that I get very animated about my disagreement. This is a cowardly act by the Phoenix Union High School District. And I'll tell you why. 
because the numbers are their own numbers, not OH Predictive Insights numbers. Their own numbers from their own teachers say that there is an over 80% support for school resource officers in school. And given the opportunity to reinstate those school resource officers because that room was showed up and what showed up in that room was a very vocal minority of the other 20% that don't like the cops showed up yelling and screaming in the meeting. So they did not want to face them and vote to reinstate officers and face the backlash. So they leave the kids without school resource officers. They don't make a decision. They don't say anything and they table the idea until later. Money's available through the state of Arizona, through the superintendent's grant program. They have no excuse. And yet they're dragging their feet. Why is this not a bigger story? Why aren't people outside of the school board offices asking these members of the of the superintendent's office and the people that have a vote in all of this? What are they waiting for? Make them explain themselves. They should have to explain why this was tabled. Got a couple of more vetoes still before we close it out. We're going to talk about the tamale bill. That's coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. A few minutes left in the show. And I'm going to talk about some. We've been talking vetoes, and one that's come up uh, multiple times today because I got fixated on this because I think this gives us a, a look inside of what would be the policies and the um, ideologies of the governor. And I think it's an important thing for all of us to know. And um, the president of the United States. I'm going to start here with him. I've got a few minutes left, so let me give me a little moment to let you hear from this. Uh, the president of the United States. This has been a pretty. A basic uh, stump speech for him talking about the tax rate for billionaires. No billionaire should be paying less of a tax rate than a school teacher or a firefighter. And everybody, everybody claps their hands. Um, United States Senator, I had been involved in the federal government for over 50 years. Big part of the writing of those tax codes and the changing of those tax codes. You can't get around that. So for everybody out there that listens to this president talk this way, go back and look at the way he talked years and years and years ago. It, this is a complete departure from the things he said in the past. Uh, and it is absolutely ludicrous for him to be in office now and blame the tax code. There, You notice he isn't saying that these Billionaires are breaking the law. Let's be very clear. The laws have been changed and the billionaires are just playing within the rules. He helped write the rules for about 50 years. So then in talking about the debt ceiling, here's the concern on defaulting. Mega Republican Congress are threatening to default on the national debt. The debt that took 230 years to accumulate overall. Overall, unless we do what they say. They say they're going to default unless I agree to all these wacko notions they have. Default would be worse than totally irresponsible. So those wacko notions that the MAGA Republicans have, what are those wacko notions? Massive cuts in programs you count on. Massive benefit protected for those at the top. A lot of, you know, all the tax cuts go to the top, none to the bottom. 
the threats of defaulting on America's debt for the first time in 230 years. He continues that 230 years must be a point that they continue to tell him to make. So the Republicans want massive spending cuts. The principle that we are not in the position we're in because the people are living too well. It's because the government is living too well. That's a principle that I, the Reagan espoused and America res, really responded to. And I think they're going to in 2024 as well. There are Democrats that will vote for Joe Biden no matter what. But the, the American public, even the Democrats, the majority of Democrats do not trust the government. And yet they're in favor of programs that fully fund it. Democrats are afraid of the IRS too. And yet they're in favor of tens of thousands of new IRS employees bloating that agency going after people under the promise that it's only going to be that they go after the rich. Well, guess what? There are a lot of rich Democrats out there that take advantage of these same tax loopholes that the rich Republicans do. You think they want to see this changed? They don't, which is why it doesn't change. So the governor, our governor, I'm going to go back to her mindset. Two things. She vetoed a bill that would have uh, stopped the government from being able to force Hotels and motels from housing people without wraparound services as well to the people that are being housed. So now the government reserves the right because of the governor's veto that they can force a hotel to house people right next door to paying customers that have no other services. They are not forced. Now that we are using this voucher at your hotel, we are going to be implementing other services, these wraparound services to help these families get out of their homeless situation or whatever issues may have gotten them homeless in the first place. We have no responsibility to you, the hotel owner, to the guest right next door, or to that family. We reserve the right to force you to give these people a place to sleep. But you cannot tell us what conditions in which you'll do it. That was one thing. She vetoed what's called the tamale bill, which says... A person can't cook in their home kitchen food or meals that they sell to the public. And the public's not allowed to buy those home-cooked foods because the governor, governor said she believes they're safety issues. So there are safety issues when a private citizen sells something to eat to another private citizen in a deal that both of them are mutually happy about. But the governor doesn't see a safety issue in forcing a hotel to take homeless people into their hotels without any kind of wraparound services. Do you understand now the insight into the mindset and the concern that people have about the mindset? The number of vetoes is a record, and it's something that she will brag about in certain circles and in other circles downplay. But the number of, of vetoes don't matter as much as the explanation when you look at what's getting vetoed and why. By the way, that so-called tamale bill was supported over. Overwhelmingly by both the House and the Senate, even Democrats, and I think we're going to have one of those Democrats on tomorrow, are going to explain their displeasure with this veto. So that'll be coming up tomorrow morning. Just about out of time, social media users at Broomhead KTAR is where you find me personally on Twitter. That's my personal account. At Broomhead Show updates you on our guests and things happening on the show. Please follow both. And Mike Broomhead, all one word on Instagram. That's where you keep in touch between shows. Back tomorrow just after 8. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.